Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is John 7. You simply can't have civilization without water. Even living in a growing community here in the Boise, Idaho area like I do, that's one of the factors of where our new neighborhoods built versus where our new neighborhoods not built. It's, well, where can we get water to? We need water to sustain life. And we've already seen in the Gospel of John the significance of water and Jesus using that to make a spiritual point. We saw that in John chapter 4 as he spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well. And we were even reminded of just some of the necessities of life in ancient times of having to go to the well to get water versus our life of just flipping on a tap and having the water pour out. And also, when you think of ancient cities and ways they could maintain water, there were cisterns that kept water, but there were springs which flowed with water. And it was an advantage to a city when they had a spring inside the city walls. Because if an invading army comes and surrounds the city, well, that's one less thing to worry about for the residents of the city knowing we've got water. We can keep drinking, we can keep sustaining life with water from this spring. And what I want us to see today is we return to that imagery of Jesus being living water, and that's the idea of flowing water, a spring, Um, it's going to be necessary for our defense as a Christian. Because as we look at John 7, we dive back into a lot of the controversy between Jesus and the religious leaders. And even uh, in this chapter, we get a good dose of the confusion at large in the society about who Jesus was. And controversy and confusion are things that persist about Jesus. If you teach Jesus faithfully, you will experience opposition and you will encounter confusion. Let's walk through John 7 and we'll see towards the end this imagery of living water coming back. It begins with Jesus in Galilee, and it's about to be time for the Feast of Booths, also sometimes referred to as the Feast of Tabernacles. This is a feast that's still celebrated in Israel today in the fall, where they build tabernacles kind of around their houses. They build these tent-like structures to remind them of their time in the wilderness. And it's one of the big three feasts that people would go up to Jerusalem for. And Jesus's brothers, who here, I don't know that it's fair to say they're antagonistic of Jesus, but it's clear they they don't really understand him. They're not true followers of him. They're trying to give him PR advice, basically saying, hey, uh, Jesus, if you want your brand to blow up, you, you got to go to the feast. Uh, staying home from the feast is like a missed marketing opportunity, dude. Um, and they don't believe in him yet. And Jesus says to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. So there in that, you, you see Jesus uh, expressing hey, the, the, why the world 
hates me. And he says, the world hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. And we see, we've already seen Jesus doing that, uh, sharing, hey, if people don't believe in the son, he teaches in John 3, they are condemned already. Um, He is calling the world out for its sin. And uh, there is hatred in response to him for that. And if we are to be faithful followers of Jesus, that will be part of our lives as well. Part of being a Christian is you will testify uh, that the works of the world are evil. And some of that will just be in how you live your life. Your life should stand in stark contrast to the world. And, and you'll face resentment just for that because your presence and your lifestyle are showing the world um, that that their works are evil. But also as we share the gospel, that, that should not um, be devoid of a call to repentance, which has to include people understanding sin and the need to turn from their sin. So why was Jesus hated? Why will there be opposition to Christians today? Because by our works and our words, we're testifying that the works of the world are evil. Uh, But then Jesus does go up to the feast and he uh, begins teaching the crowd and we see all kinds of confusion. Uh, And we see a few questions. Basically, in verse 14, they're saying, hey, where did this guy study? The answer, um, heaven. And then we'll also see, where did this guy come from? And then, well, the answer is heaven. And then there's going to be the question, well, where is this guy going? And again, the answer is heaven. Uh, So you see all of this confusion, but you also see it's not merely intellectual. It's moral confusion as well. When they start in verse 15 with the question, basically, how does this man have learning when he's never studied? Where did he study? And Jesus makes clear, well, my teaching is not mine, but him who sent me. Uh, He's saying his teaching comes from God. Uh, But then you see, he calls them out in verse 19, has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? So he is calling them out for their murderous desires toward him. And you see that the religious leaders, it's not merely that they don't understand what Jesus is saying, it's that they refuse to believe it. And their refusal to believe it is steeped in their sin. And he calls them out even for this Sabbath controversy. And he says in verse 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So even there, it's kind of a side note is a corrective to this um, watered down worldly idea of, well, we shouldn't judge anybody. That's not really what the Bible says. The Bible makes it clear that there's a wrong way to judge others. Don't do that. There's a hypocritical way to judge others, but there is right judgment. And that is never something that we should leave behind. Don't judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. And then you see the confusion in verse 25. Is this the man whom they seek to kill? Earlier, people said, who is seeking to kill you? You you see that there's a crowd, there's confusion, all of these uh, different thoughts about him. Some people saying maybe he is the Christ, maybe he's not. Do the authorities really know he is the Christ? Um, And then, you know, they talk about, well, we know where this man came from. Um, And Jesus says, you know me and you know where I come from. But even then you see there's confusion because some people are saying, well, he came from Galilee. The Messiah is going to come from Bethlehem. Well, 
guess what? Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So did they really know? Again, so much confusion in this chapter. Finally, Jesus says, I will be with you a little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me, and you will seek me, and you will find me, and where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Is he going to go to the Greeks? No, he's talking about going back to be with his father in heaven. So you see the confusion there about Jesus. And that's where we need to understand if we are faithful followers of Jesus and we're faithful to proclaim Christ, we will encounter confusion. We will encounter opposition. And that opposition even is steeped in rebellion towards God. It's not merely uh, um, an inability to mentally understand. It, It is really a problem of the will. And you see, I think in Jesus's words, even there's a sense of urgency that he has, that he's only got a little longer and then he's not going to be there. Uh, while our circumstances are admittedly different for thinking then always now, we're not thinking through this in the same exact way that Jesus is, but there is an idea from that our time is limited in this world, uh, we want to make the most of it. And there should be an urgency in us about working for the cause of Christ. Now, how will we sustain ourselves in a hostile world seeking to be faithful to Christ and to serve him well? Well, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, verse 37, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the spirit has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So here it um, makes clear uh, this living water is talking about the Holy Spirit. And as we'll see later in the gospel of John, what has Jesus given us to sustain us in ministry in a hostile world? It's the Holy Spirit. So what should enable you to be faithful to Christ, to stand for Christ, that within the walls of your heart, like within the walls of your proverbial city, you've got a spring and you can feel surrounded, but you still have a spring from which to drink. You have the Holy Spirit bringing you life, bringing you power, bringing you hope in all of these things. And we see a little more of the confusion and opposition uh, towards the end. And you see even Nicodemus starting to uh, you know, raise points in favor of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, not even very strongly, just saying, shouldn't we give this man a hearing first? And there's an immediate hostile response to him. So as you seek to serve Christ, remember, you've got a river of life through the Holy Spirit. And that's something that should fortify you and strengthen you in your resolve to live for Christ, to proclaim Christ, and to remain faithful to him in a world that is hostile. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.